Chapter Three of Alice of Old Vincennes by Maurice Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Three, the rape of the demijohn. The row down at the river house was more noise than fight, so far as results seemed to indicate. It was all about a small damjan of fine brandy, which an Indian by the name of Longhair had seized and run off with at the height of the carousal he must have been soberer than his pursuers or naturally fleeter for not one of them could catch him or even keep long in sight of him some pistols were emptied while the race was on and two or three of the men swore roundly to having seen long hair jump sidewise and stagger as if one of the shots had taken effect but although the moon was shining he some way disappeared they could not understand just how far down beside the river below the fort and the church it was not a very uncommon thing for an indian to steal what he wanted and in most cases light punishment followed conviction but it was felt to be a capital offence for an indian or anybody else to rape a demjohn of fine brandy especially one sent as a present by a friend in new orleans to lieutenant governor abbott who had until recently been the commandant of the post every man at the river-house recognized and resented the enormity of longhair's crime and each was for the moment ready to be his judge and his executioner he had broken at once every rule of frontier etiquette and every bond of sympathy nor was long hair ignorant of the danger involved in his daring enterprise he had beforehand carefully and stolidly weighed all the conditions and true to his indian nature had concluded that a little wicker-covered bottle of brandy was well worth the risk of his life so he had put himself in condition for a great race by slipping out and getting rid of his weapons and all surplus weight of clothes this incident brought the drinking bout at the river-house to a sudden end but nothing further came of it that night and no record of it would be found in these pages but for the fact that long hair afterwards became an important character in the stirring historical drama which had old vincennes for its centre of energy rené de ronville probably felt himself in bad luck when he arrived at the river-house just too late to share in the liquor or to join in chasing the bold thief he listened with interest however to the story of longhair's capture of the commandant's demijohn and could not refrain from saying that if he had been present there would have been a quite different result i would have shot him before he got to that door he said drawing his heavy flint-lock pistol and going through the motions of one aiming quickly and firing indeed so vigorously in earnest was he with the pantomime that he actually did fire unintentionally of course the ball burying itself in the door-jamb he was laughed at by those present for being more excited than they who witnessed the whole thing one of them a leathery-faced and grizzled old sinner leered at him contemptuously and said in queer french with a curious accent caught from long use of backwoods english listen how the boy brags ye might think to hear honey talk that he actually amounted to a big pile this personage was known to every soul in vincennes as oncle jason and when oncle jason spoke the whole town felt bound to listen in how well he shoots too he added with an intolerable wink aimed at the door and hit the post certainly long hair would have been in great danger oh yes he'd have killed long hair at the first shot wouldn't he though oncle jason had the air of a large man but the stature of a small one in fact he was shrivelled bodily to a degree which suggested comparison with a sun-dried wisp of hickory bark and when he chuckled as he was now doing his mouth puckered itself until it looked like a scar on his face 
from cap to moccasins he had every mark significant of a desperate character and yet there was about him something that instantly commanded the confidence of rough men the look of self-sufficiency and superior capability always to be found in connection with immense will-power his sixty years of exposure hardship and danger seemed to have but toughened his physique and strengthened his vitality out of his small hazel eyes gleamed a light as keen as ice all right oncle jason said rené laughing and blowing the smoke out of his pistol twas you all the same who let long hair trot off with the governor's brandy not i if you could have hit even a door-post it might have been better oncle jason took off his cap and looked down into it in a way he had when about to say something final ventre bleu i did not shoot at long hair at all he said speaking slowly because the scoundrel was unarmed he didn't have on even a knife and he was having enough to do dodging the bullets that the rest of em were plumpin at him without any compliments from me to bother him more well rene replied turning away with a laugh if i'd been scalped by the indians as you have i don't think there would be any particular reason why i should wait for an indian thief to go and arm himself before i accepted him as a target oncle jason lifted a hand involuntarily and rubbed his scalpless crown then he chuckled with a grotesque grimace as if the recollection of having his head skinned were the funniest thing imaginable when you've killed as many of em as oncle jason has remarked a bystander to rene you'll not be so hungry for blood maybe especially after ye've took fifty-nine scalps to pay for your one added oncle jason replacing his cap over the hairless area of his crown the men who had been chasing long hair presently came straggling back with their stories each had a distinct one of how the fugitive escaped they were wild-looking fellows most of them somewhat intoxicated all profusely liberal with their stock of picturesque profanity they represented the roughest element of the well-nigh lawless post i'm positive that he's wounded said one jacques and i shot at him together so that our pistols sounded just as if only one had been fired bang that way and he leaped sideways for all the world like a bird with a broken leg i thought he'd fall but vey he ran faster than ever and all at once he was gone just disappeared well to-morrow we'll get him said another you and i and jacques we'll take up his trail the thief and follow him till we find him he can't get off so easy i don't know so well about that said another it's long hair you must remember and long hair is no common buck that just anybody can find asleep you know what long hair is nobody's ever got even with him yet that's so ain't it just ask oncle jason if you don't believe it the next morning long hair was tracked to the river's edge he had been wounded but whether seriously or not could only be conjectured a sprinkle of blood here and there quite a dash of it reddened the grass and clumps of weeds he had run through and ended close to the water into which it looked as if he had plunged with a view to baffling pursuit indeed pursuit was baffled no further trace could be found by which to follow the cunning fugitive some of the men consoled themselves by saying without believing that long hair was probably lying drowned at the bottom of the river pas du tout observed oncle jason his short pipe askew far over in the corner of his mouth not a bit of it is that indian drowned he's just as live as a fat cat this minute 
in as drunk as the devil he'll get some of your scalps yet after he's guzzled all that brandy and slep a week it finally transpired that oncle jason was partly right and partly wrong long hair was alive even as a fat cat perhaps but not drunk for in trying to swim with the rotund little dame jeanne under his arm he lost hold of it and it went to the bottom of the wabash where it may be lying at this moment patiently waiting for some one to fish it out of its bed deep in the sand and mud and break the ancient wax from its neck rené de ronville after the chase of long hair had been given over went to tell father beret what had happened and finding the priest's hut empty turned into the path leading to the roussillon place which was at the head of a narrow street laid out in a direction at right angles to the river's course he passed two or three diminutive cabins all as much alike as beehives each had its squat veranda and thatched or clapboarded roof held in place by weight poles ranged in roughly parallel rows and each had the face of the wall under its veranda neatly daubed with a greyish stucco made of mud and lime you may see such houses to-day in some remote parts of the creole country of louisiana as rene passed along he spoke with a gay french freedom to the dames and lasses who chanced to be visible his air would be regarded as violently brigandish in our day we might even go so far as to think his whole appearance comical his jaunty cap with the tail that wagged as he walked his short trousers and leggings of buckskin and his loose shirt-like tunic drawn in at the waist with a broad belt gave his strong figure just the dash of wildness suited to the armament with which it was weighted a heavy gun lay in the hollow of his shoulder under which hung an otter-skin bullet pouch with its clear powder horn and white bone charger in his belt were two huge flint-lock pistols and a long case-knife bonjour mademoiselle adrienne he cheerily called waving his free hand in greeting to a small dark lass standing on the step of a veranda and indolently swinging a broom comment allez-vous aujourd'hui je me porte très bien merci monsieur rené was the quick response et vous oh i'm as lively as a cricket going a-hunting no just up here a little way just on business up to monsieur roussillon's for a moment yes the girl responded in a tone indicative of something very like spleen yes undoubtedly monsieur de ronville your business there seems quite pressing of late i have noticed your industrious application to that business ta-ta little one he wheedled lowering his voice you mustn't go to making bugbears out of nothing bugbears she retorted you go on about your business and i'll attend to mine and she flirted into the house rene laughed under his breath standing a moment as if expecting her to come out again but she did not and he resumed his walk singing softly elle a les joues vermeilles vermeilles ma belle ma belle petite but ten to one he was not thinking of mademoiselle adrienne boursier his mind however must have been absorbingly occupied for in the straight open way he met father beret and did not see him until he came nearly bumping against the old man who stepped aside with astonishing agility and said dieu vous bénisse mon fils but what is your great hurry where can you be going in such happy haste rene did not stop to parley with the priest he flung some phrase of pleasant greeting back over his shoulder as he trudged on his heart beginning a tattoo against his ribs when the roussillon place came in sight and he took hold of his moustache to pull it as some men must do in moments of nervousness and bashfulness 
if sounds ever have colour the humming in his ears was of a rosy hue if thoughts ever exhaled fragrance his brain overflowed with the sweets of violet and heliotrope he had in mind what he was going to say when alice and he should be alone together it was a pretty speech he thought indeed a very thrilling little speech by the way it stirred his own nerve centres as he conned it over madame roussillon met him at the door in not a very good humour is mademoiselle alice here he ventured to demand alice no she's not here she's never here just when i want her most v'là le pigbois la grive see the woodpecker and the robin eating the cherries eating every one of them and that girl running off somewhere instead of staying here and picking them she railed in answer to the young man's polite inquiry i haven't seen her these four hours neither her nor that rascally hunchback jean they're up to some mischief i'll be bound madame roussillon puffed audibly between phrases but she suddenly became very mild when relieved of her tirade mais entrez she added in a pleasant tone come in and tell me the news rene's disappointment rushed into his face but he managed to laugh it aside father beret has just been telling me said madame roussillon that our friend long hair made some trouble last night how about it rene told her what he knew and added that long hair would probably never be seen again he was shot no doubt of it he went on and is now being nibbled by fish and turtles we tracked him by his blood to where he jumped into the wabash he never came out strangely enough it happened that at the very time of this chat between madame roussillon and rene alice was bandaging long hair's wounded leg with strips of her apron it was under some willows which overhung the bank of a narrow and shallow lagoon or slough which in those days extended a mile or two back into the country on the farther side of the river alice and jean went over in a pirogue to see if the water-lilies haunting a pond there were yet beginning to bloom they landed at a convenient spot some distance up the little lagoon made the boat fast by dragging its prow high ashore and were on the point of setting out across a neck of wet grassy land to the pond when a deep grunt not unlike that of a self-satisfied pig attracted them to the willows where they discovered long hair badly wounded weltering in some black mud his hiding-place was cunningly chosen save that the mire troubled him letting him down by slow degrees and threatening to engulf him bodily and he was now too weak to extricate himself he lifted his head and glared his face was grimy his hair matted with mud alice although brave enough and quite accustomed to startling experiences uttered a cry when she saw those snaky eyes glistening so savagely amid the shadows but jean was quick to recognize long hair he had often seen him about town a figure not to be forgotten they've been hunting him everywhere he said in a half whisper to alice clutching the skirt of her dress it's long hair the indian who stole the brandy i know him alice recoiled a pace or two let's go back and tell him jean added still whispering they want to kill him oncle jason said so come on he gave her dress a jerk but she did not move any farther back she was looking at the blood oozing from a wound in the indian's leg he is shot he is hurt jean we must help him she presently said recovering her self-control yet still pale we must get him out of that bad place 
jean caught alice's merciful spirit with sympathetic readiness and showed immediate willingness to aid her it was a difficult thing to do but there was a will and of course a way they had knives with which they cut willows to make a standing-place on the mud while they were doing this they spoke friendly words to longhair who understood french a little and at last they got hold of his arms tugged rested tugged again and finally managed to help him to a dry place still under the willows where he could lie more at ease jean carried water in his cap with which they washed the wound and the stolid savage face then alice tore up her cotton apron in which she had hoped to bear home a load of lilies and with the strips bound the wound very neatly it took a long time during which the indian remained silent and apparently quite indifferent longhair was a man of superior physique tall straight with the muscles of a vulcan and while he lay stretched on the ground half clad and motionless he would have been a grand model for an heroic figure in bronze yet from every lineament there came a strange repelling influence like that from a snake alice felt almost unbearable disgust while doing her merciful task but she bravely persevered until it was finished it was now late in the afternoon and the sun would be setting before they could reach home we must hurry back jean alice said turning to depart it will be all we can do to reach the other side in daylight i'm thinking that they'll be out hunting for us too if we don't move right lively come she gave the indian another glance when she had taken but a step he grunted and held up something in his hand something that shone with a dull yellow light it was a small oval gold locket which she had always worn in her bosom she sprang and snatched it from his palm thank you she exclaimed smiling gratefully i'm so glad you found it the chain by which the locket had hung was broken doubtless by some movement while dragging long hair out of the mud and the lid had sprung open exposing a miniature portrait of alice painted when she was a little child probably not two years old it was a sweet baby face archly bright almost surrounded with a fluff of golden hair the neck and the upper line of the plump shoulders with a trace of richly delicate lace and a string of pearls gave somehow a suggestion of patrician daintiness long hair looked keenly into alice's eyes when she stooped to take the locket from his hand but said nothing she and jean now hurried away and so vigorously did they paddle the pirogue that the sky was yet red in the west when they reached home and duly received their expected scolding from madame roussillon alice sealed jean's lips as to their adventure for she had made up her mind to save long hair if possible and she felt sure that the only way to do it would be to trust no one but father beret it turned out that long hair's wound was neither a broken bone nor a cut artery the flesh of his leg midway between the hip and the knee was pierced the bullet had bored a neat hole clean through father beret took the case in hand and with no little surgical skill proceeded to set the big indian upon his feet again the affair had to be cleverly managed food medicines and clothing were surreptitiously borne across the river a bed of grass was kept fresh under long hair's back his wound was regularly dressed and finally his weapons a tomahawk a knife a strong bow and a quiver of arrows which he had hidden on the night of his bold theft were brought to him now go and sin no more said good father beret but he well knew that his words were mere puffs of articulate wind in the ear of the grim and silent savage who limped away with an air of stately dignity into the wilderness a load fell from alice's mind when father beret informed her of longhair's recovery and departure 
day and night the dread lest some of the men should find out his hiding-place and kill him had depressed and worried her and now when it was all over there still hovered like an elusive shadow in her consciousness a vague haunting impression of the incident's immense significance as an influence in her life to feel that she had saved a man from death was a new sensation of itself but the man and the circumstances were picturesque they invited imagination they furnished an atmosphere of romance dear to all young and healthy natures and somehow stirred her soul with a strange appeal longhair's imperturbable calmness his stolid immobile countenance the mysterious reptilian gleam of his shifty black eyes and the soulless expression always lurking in them kept a fascinating hold on the girl's memory they blended curiously with the impressions left by the romances she had read in m roussillon's mildewed books longhair was not a young man but it would have been impossible to guess near his age his form and face simply showed long experience and immeasurable vigour alice remembered with a shuddering sensation the look he gave her when she took the locket from his hand it was of but a second's duration yet it seemed to search every nook of her being with its subtle power romancers have made much of their indian heroes picturing them as models of manly beauty and nobility but all fiction must be taken with liberal pinches of salt the plain truth is that dark savages of the pure blood often do possess the magnetism of perfect physical development and unfathomable mental strangeness but real beauty they never have their innate repulsiveness is so great that like the snake's charm it may fascinate yet an indescribable haunting disgust goes with it and after all if alice had been asked to tell just how she felt toward the indian she had laboured so hard to save she would promptly have said i loathe him as i do a toad nor would father beret put to the same test have made a substantially different confession his work to do which his life went as fuel to fire was training the souls of indians for the reception of divine grace but experience had not changed his first impression of savage character when he travelled in the wilderness he carried the word and the cross but he was also armed with a gun and two good pistols not to mention a dangerous knife the rumour prevailed that father beret could drive a nail at sixty yards with his rifle and at twenty snuff a candle with either one of his pistols End of chapter three